Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. Well, James, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Um, You know, I know it's been many years in the making for Straight Up, and so to have it finally come out um, and to see all the, you know, feedback you've gotten from it, I bet is very exciting and reassuring for a project that you've spent so much time on and so many years on. Um, But I wanted to start at the beginning. Um, Would you tell me a bit about the background for writing Straight Up and what your inspiration was for it? Mm -hmm. Uh, First of all, thank you. Wow, Uh, you are taking, because it has been in the making for a while, but also Mm -hmm. it it came out, you know, it first premiered in uh, July or June of 2019. uh, And then it had its theatrical in uh, February of last year, right before everything shut down. Uh, so even between when it first premiered for an audience and now, it's still been quite a span of time, but it, it, it has been sort of under the radar. So people, it seems like, are still discovering it, which is really cool for an indie film like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of its genesis, you know, I started writing it after college. I think it just sort of came from a place of uh, loneliness and, you know, uh, being in L.A., having friends who are struggling actresses mind uh, goes like, oh, well, wouldn't it be nice if I could just be attracted to you? Uh, and I, I sort of like the idea of, of playing with the, the coming out tale and sort of flipping it on its head. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, it, it's hard for me to say because it was so long ago, but I guess it just sort of inspired itself. Mm-hmm. And I know that you know, when you did have the idea for this, you looked to something like a crowdfunding campaign to raise the funds necessary to actually um, put this in production. And you raised something like, I believe it was $23,000. How much of that sort of the crowdfunding aspect of this was part of your overall production budget? And um, how did it, how did it take up in getting donations? How did it start really being successful, the amount of people that were donating that really were attracted to this project. Yeah, well, I mean, the whole film's budget was sub 250K. So just percentage wise, you know, uh, the crowdfunding campaign is 10% or, or less when you subtract all the fees involved mm-hmm. in doing a crowdfunding campaign and reward fulfillment, et cetera. I'd say the crowdfunding campaign was most successful in keeping me accountable. Uh, And in that sense, there was a lot of momentum building. Uh, It was sort of a last resort because I was sort of, uh, for at that point, three years, been going down every avenue I thought possible uh, to get this feature off the ground. But, you know, being a first time actor, writer, and director, it's a lot of risk to take on. And so I was looking to do anything I could to help minimize that risk. Also, you know, with a crowdfunding campaign, it's uh, a little bit more bang for your buck for the investors because that's non-recoupable funds. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, in terms of the actual crowdfunding campaign, that was one of the most stressful months of my life. Uh, I could do a whole interview about the process of, of crowdfunding. It's not for the faint of heart. 
and it really uh, behooves you to have a full team and understand that crowdfunding is a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I had, would have more support going into it than I did. Uh, and so it ended up being really difficult and there were various points throughout it where it did not seem like we were going to make our goal. And we kind of had to cheat in a way to, to get to the goal because it is an all or nothing. Actually, we crowdfunded on Seed and Spark. So I believe it's 80% mm-hmm. you get to keep the funds. Mm-hmm. Um, we did get a hundred percent. But again, um, it's like, I would say 95% people that I know personally, I think it's sort of this myth that people are just going to stumble upon your amazing crowdfunding campaign because um, they're out there looking for things to give their money to. And they just think your project is so special that they'll just donate a thousand dollars. That doesn't really ever happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I want to also talk about the proof of concept short that you did before making this, which was normal doors. Um, I'm interested to know when you made that short, did you always have plans to eventually turn it into a feature or was it the sort of reception and the feedback you got after that short that you realized that maybe this could be the start of something bigger? Yeah. So the proof of concept was actually based off the feature script. Oh, got so it. So when we had brought it to, to Fox Digital, they essentially weren't sure that I had the experience to direct a feature film. So they asked to see a proof of concept. So I took what was in the script and tried to figure out the best way to encapsulate the style, tone, and characters with the two thousand dollars they gave us. Oh, okay, wow. A proof of concept, uh, and and that's what we came up with. I wanted to do something that could also be a standalone, um, as opposed to like just doing a scene. That way, if we parted ways, I'd still have something I could take away from that. Yeah. Uh, so. I guess that answers your question. <laughs> yeah. So how did that turn out that short? Like, was it, it was a standalone and was it same cast members or was it a different cast and how long was it? What did mm-hmm. that look like? Yeah, I mean, it's actually available. Uh, it's on my Vimeo page. It was a Vimeo staff pick. Uh, it was, I think it was on short of the week as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's 10 minutes, I believe, different cast. Uh they at the time did not very adamantly not want me to act in the film. Mm. <laughs> uh, they actually wanted to cast YouTubers or influencers essentially, because uh, that was um, sort of trending at the time in terms of people trying to figure out how to monetize people's direct to consumer fan base. Uh, so I, having come from a casting background and having envisioned myself in this role, uh, was very. Uh, uncompromising in that respect, but I was looking for some way to get the movie made. So I did cast a young actor that I met um, just through, uh, I was working with um, a casting director at the time because I, again, was working in casting and um, we were just putting it together. And the two actors in the short film, I think had really great chemistry. Um, But ultimately when we moved on from Fox Digital, I sort of circled back to this idea of really uh feeling attached to this character and like it was a story i had to tell but at the same time it wasn't until i found katie finley that i had the confidence to do that because the Mm -hmm. film really you know lives and dies by its chemistry so you know if there isn't something there between me and my co-star uh then that could be a a disaster right so how much of a fight was that for the studio to allow you to cast yourself in this well, I mean, not much of a fight because I said yeah. no. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then we ended up 
doing it completely independently. Wow. I mean, I'd also okay. say that Fox Digital, it was, even though it has the word Fox in it and it was technically on the lot, they were doing like super low budget. I want to say like $500,000 or less. I don't know the exact budgets that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, so things were still being made for, for you know, shoestrings. Uh, so it was just too much compromise for me at that budget level. I mean, maybe if somebody had offered me like, you know, $5 million and like cast this famous YouTuber, I'd be like, well, I got to pay my bills. Yeah. Um, but work, thankfully it all worked out <laughs> many years later. Yeah. And when this eventually transitioned over and you began the process of making this into a feature, I know Valparaiso, Valparaiso, right? Is that how you say Valparaiso. it? Valparaiso, sorry. I, and, I hope I'm right. Yeah. And um, David Carrico found out about this, who is with um, the company. How much, uh, how did they find out about your project and um, one, how did they want to get involved? And how much of a role did that play in really picking this off the ground? Yeah. They came on really at the last minute and oh, saved okay. our ass because we didn't have enough funds to start production, but we had already cast Katie and uh, we really had to like set specific dates uh, in order to keep her attached. And I remember being on the call with my line producer and being like, God, we just need a little bit more money. And it's, it is that sort of a question that many filmmakers will find themselves if you're just going to move forward with the resources that you have mm-hmm. and pray to the powers that be that things will align. Or if you're going to try to push because you don't feel like you have what you need, but then you risk never being able to get that same creative team together. And literally while I was on that call, my manager emailed me saying that uh, Val Pariso had uh, reviewed my materials and they didn't love it enough to, to come on board, mm. but they were so impressed by like my business proposal um, that they could give us like you know, say $20,000 um, if we really needed it. And I'm like, gosh, that's the nicest rejection I've ever had in my life. I wish everyone rejected me and gave yeah. me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, but then I ended up meeting with them and then we really hit it off. And uh, yeah, and then they came on as full producers and really, uh, you know, boost the project and helped in a lot of ways. That's amazing. So up until then, it was really just through maybe like crowdfunding or soliciting for Yeah, donations. we had a private investor, uh, um, but it wasn't enough to, to cover the whole film. So, Got it. And um, I also want to talk about the casting for this film because along with yourself and you know your co-lead, Kate Finley, um, you have Tracy Toms, Betsy Brandt, Randall Park, which is really just an outstanding cast for you know, um, such a you know, little indie that could. How did you go about you know, being able to find these people and get them to get involved in your film? Was it after... Um, David Carrico came in or had they already been involved before that? I didn't know anybody in the cast prior to filming Straight Up except for Brendan Scannell, who I had met okay. for coffee the year prior because I actually had him specifically in mind for that role. Mm-hmm. And I think that was before Bonding or even Heather's maybe. Um, mm-hmm. So he wasn't the big shot that he was at the time. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, he still wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. I mean, again, I had worked in casting when you're working at this SAG low budget scale, you don't really get these types of actors submitted or pitched for your project. So it really was very much me and my casting director coming up with ideas uh, of who we thought would be right and also receptive to doing something like this. 
uh, at this scale and then, um, you know, just zeroing in on them. And uh, uh, so, yeah, it was a, a traditional casting process. Uh, Tracy was actually somebody I'd always imagined in the role of the therapist. Um, and we were very excited when she came on board. The parents actually we cast because we didn't have all the funds for principal photography. Uh, so we shot 18 days of principal and then we had two days of pickups three mm -hmm. months later. Uh, so we actually cast Randall and Betsy after we had shot all of principal and I spliced together a couple of scenes from the film, uh, which we sent out with, uh, you know, the, the offer. And I think that helped um, sort of understand uh, you know, the tone uh, and hopefully what made this film special. I will also say that I had specifically worked in the office that cast Fresh Off the Boat. So it was actually the casting director of Fresh Off the Boat who, who slipped Randall the script. Oh, wow. Cornered him at a table read. So oh. <laughs> Michael. And yeah, so it is very much about, you know, however you can get <laughs> in the hands of the actor. Right. Sometimes. And I have to ask, what was it like working with um, Randall and Betsy and having them play your parents? Was there anything in particular that you learned from them while working with them about acting or anything else? Hmm. I mean, I, I kind of want to say like I was so busy to like be, be soliciting sage advice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're just two of the nicest people and they were so professional. I guess that's something I learned from them um, to work with people who have done so much great work and had so little ego, yeah. especially working with the first time director um, that it sort of reinforced that, you know, people are here. Uh, they get into this business for a reason because they, they cherish the work and um, you know, it's collaboration. And so, yeah, I, I guess that's something I learned. Yeah. Um, and now today the film is on Netflix, which I could only imagine must be so exciting for you. Um, have you felt this sort of elevated sense of awareness and attention surrounding your film since it launched on the platform? And what has that been like? Definitely when it first launched, it's, it's a sub-license, so it's not a Netflix okay. original. Right, it's going right. to go off Netflix after a certain period of time. Sure, sure. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely the widest audience this film could have reached uh i remember when it like two days after like my instagram dms were like flooded i'm like what is this <laughs> which for me who like has like two thousand followers right. <laughs> uh is different katie's yeah. like oh you know whatever <laughs> right um i'm kidding she wasn't like that uh but yeah i it's especially from my understanding of the queer community um for young people who maybe are living in environments where they can't uh, watch queer films and like download them on iTunes because of their parents' credit cards or whatever. Uh, sometimes Netflix is people's only way to watch under the radar queer content. Um, and so that that's really cool uh, to know that, um, you know, people are, are able to seek this out and spreading it um, through word of mouth and yeah I, I think ultimately as an artist you want your work to be seen mm -hmm. and you kind of just touched on this but um is there a particular message or something in, that you want or hope audiences take away after watching the film mm -hmm. I mean Katie describes the film and I keep stealing it but I won't stop because it's a great 
uh, phrase, turn of phrase, uh, mm-hmm. that the film is a love letter to the in-betweens. Mm-hmm. And I, I really take heart to that. I think, you know, our, our message, again, it's like, I don't see this as like a film that like panders to like find a specific meaning. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I think it asks a lot of questions without um, solidifying answers. Cause I, I don't think they're easy questions, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I do think that on, on the theme of in-betweens that, you know, regardless of, of what stage you're at on your journey, um, and even if you don't know who you are by age X, Y, Z, that you are still deserving of love and respect at every s- stage of that. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right now, with an unbelievable thing, I think, for you and your career has happened, which is that you've been nominated at the Independent Spirit Awards, which I think is just like the crowning achievement for anyone in the indie yeah. space, you know, in that the indie film space. Um, how has that, how did it feel getting nominated? But also, um, how did it, fe- did it did it feel like it's been like such a pivotal moment in your career now that you've received some sort of validation from, you know, peers within the indie film community with that nomination? Yeah, I mean, you basically summed it up. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, the, you know, if I look at the people who've been nominated in that category, it's like every writer I admire. Um, yeah. So I feel like I'm in the best of company um, and it's super validating for me and for everyone who worked on this project to, to see the film get recognized at, at that scale. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard because you don't want to derive too much from like this external validation, um, right. but it does because it is my peers and 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 people I'd like to work with and in some capacity. Um, it, 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 yeah, it just means a lot. Yeah, and I and I look at past winners of that category too, like Diablo Cody, Dustin Lance Black, Lena Dunham, and yeah, it's definitely great company to be in for sure. Um, well, I... <laughs> um, well, I, my last question I wanna ask is I know that you're you know currently doing press and you know still, um, doing the rollout for this project, but uh, is there any other things, you know, down the pipe that you're currently working on or about to work on? I mean, nothing I can like publicly talk about yet, yeah. but uh, hopefully my next feature isn't too far off. Oh, nice. About twins. That's all I'll say for now. That's all you'll say. Looking to film this year sometime? Uh, or All things considered, hopefully yes. Okay, as long as you have your COVID people on set and making yeah. sure everyone's <laughs> staying safe. Um, all right, well, James, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course, such pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe to The Hollywood Podcast for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwind. Thanks for listening.